that time a few weeks back when Kebrian Hayes did that toe tap thing and found some timing and hit the ball all over creation and it lasted like what a week and a half good morning to you good thursday morning i'm dan kovacevic of dk pittsburgh sports and this is daily shot of pirates it comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this Mets 8, Pirates 3 to conclude that three-game series in New York, the home team taking two of those. And this one was never interesting, not for a split second, but Key came up with two more hits going two for five. And if you go back over his recent activity, you'll see that in August, he's slashing 314, 345, 588 with three of his season's eight home runs and 12 of his season's 44 RBIs. Maybe just as important within all of that, he appears to be healthy. He appears to not be hindered significantly or at all, really by his wonky back. And even though Derek Shelton had said up in Milwaukee when I was covering that series that the team was going to take care to rest key to make sure that Jared Triolo is getting some action in large part to manage the back, Key's been playing a lot. And I'm not going to sit here and quibble about medical this or that, but he's playing more than what I took that remark in Milwaukee to suggest. So is there anybody anywhere who's taking this one seriously? I know, right? All this does, respectfully, as I really like this kid, is remind everybody of what he could slash should be if he was doing this on a consistent basis Also, what he could slash should be doing if he were more in control of the back injury. Again, there's no MD here. I'm not in a position to question either him or the staff or anyone at AHN who's being entrusted with that $70 million spine. But when you see him doing this and you see him doing it with... Almost a star-level ease, it does make you think about what has to happen entering 2024 for Key to be this player. He doesn't need to bat over 300. He doesn't need to have a zillion home runs and 100 RBIs or whatever. But there's got to be a pleasant middle ground somewhere between his epic attacks offensively on the field and go back to the 2020 shortened season, the COVID year. Key came up a month into a two-month season and just destroyed the ball for the entire month. Looked like the greatest player we'd ever seen joining the Pirates. In fact, there were historical comparisons to some of the most productive first months anyone had ever had in the uniform. Little did they know that a month is just about right, because then something is about to go wrong. Now, after yesterday's game in New York, 
Shelton, the former hitting coach, brought up that Key is putting the ball in the air. He's elevating it was the term that Shelton used to all fields. And when he does that, he's okay. And that jibes completely with the hit charts, spray charts, exit velocity charts, everything that Key shows on a regular basis about when he makes a lot of outs is that he's hitting the ball hard, but he's hitting it on the ground. The same was true in the latter portion of his minor league career, but at the time, it was roundly dismissed because young players get to the majors, and you've heard this one a million times, doubles turn into home runs. Why? They get better at reading off-speed pitches, and they can get under them. Well, in Key's case, there's always some tweak that everyone will end up talking about. In this case, it's something to do with his footwork, some timing. It's not the toe tap. It's something else. Honestly, for me, that stuff's starting to go in one ear and out the other, not just with him, but with everybody, because I'm waiting for the next hitting coach to be a competent hitting coach who can find this sort of thing without it taking a month or two. But in Key's case, specifically, because this has been the same conversation Going back half a decade now, we've been waiting for Key to get under the ball, to elevate it a little bit. That's always a timing issue. To an extent, it's a launch angle issue. It's all those other things. But the bat speed is there. The pitch recognition is there. Heaven knows the patience is there. So if we see this once every three months or so, why can't we see it more often, presuming at least close to full health? Why is that? And how is that acceptable to the upper management people who are signing his very large checks? There are answers to be had. If they don't have them internally, then they need to figure out why they can't come up with answers internally. When we come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800 degree stone and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Your front door, your car, your bike, your computer, your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Visit projectchildsafe.org. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. Today's J1Q comes from Bob, who asks, at what point does a higher BABIP indicate that you're just a good hitter? And I'm not saying that Jason DeLay is a better-than-average hitter. But does Roberto Clemente's career 343 BABIP mean that he was very lucky 
or that he was, in fact, a great hitter. For anybody who missed yesterday's episode, Bob's entire question is going to sound like hieroglyphics. So I'll refresh here. BABIP stands for batting average on balls in play, and it's exactly what it sounds like. If you put the ball in play, that means anywhere in fair territory that isn't a home run. It's just somewhere in active play. Almost everyone should end up around 300 in terms of batting average on those balls. If you're way over that, it means you're getting way lucky. You just happen to be finding splotches of grass. If you're way under it, you're getting robbed. Now, nothing is universal with this type of truth. It just isn't. But when I saw DeLay dropping all these Texas leaguers and squibbers up the third base line and just finding some fortunate chalk in the outfield. I was wondering if this guy wasn't the all-time king of BABIP, and he was way over that water level 300 mark. Then after that, he went into a horrible funk, and that was very much predictable. Now, there are categories within this, There are mega variables within this. And the biggest one is how hard you hit the ball. And that's why there's all this modern emphasis on exit velocity, which, by the way, can be applied to any point in the game's history. You know who had a reputation for hitting the ball as hard as anyone on a regular basis? That's right, Roberto Clemente. He smoked the ball. In fact, since I was talking about launch angle and elevating in the opening segment, there was a very common belief in baseball at the time, based on everything that I've heard or read, that Clemente could have had many, many, many more home runs had he adjusted his swing in a way that he was going for the fences. That wasn't something that was very comfortable for him, so he didn't do it. And in fact, he became something of a notorious highball hitter. Maybe even just in your head right now, you can picture some of the old Clemente reels of that swing where it almost looked like he'd climb up on his tiptoes. You know what I'm talking about? And then he would hack this thing that was like up at his bill of his helmet. And just tomahawk the thing somewhere into the outfield and run like crazy. Which, to be honest with you, if I was Roberto Clemente, that's what I'd be doing too. Just because I was that fast and I could show it off to everybody. But that's the type of hitter that he was. And that absolutely, unequivocally would have contributed to having a 343 BABIP. Because that is unnaturally high. It's not unthinkable, but when you're talking about a very long career, and remember that Clemente joined the Pirates in 1955, and his final season was 1972, that's a heck of a large window to maintain a BABIP that high. So yes, you tip your cap to this great, great, great hitter. And say, you defied everything, including 
a, a figure that's really not supposed to bend much in either direction because of how hard you hit the ball. I would love, those of you who complain about stuff like exit velocities and whatever, just because those stats weren't there a few years ago or when you were a kid, this stuff is great. I would love to have had this information. I'd love to have it now. I'd love for there to be enough science and enough footage for people to go through every baseball game they could ever find and record this data. I want to know how hard Clemente threw that ball from way deep in the right field corner to that standing, idle Manny Sanguian in the 1971 World Series that kept the Baltimore runner at third. I want to know that it was the hardest throw in franchise history. You see what I'm saying here? This stuff is fun. Just let it in, you know? It all applies, and it's all real. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We're going to do another one of these tomorrow.